Some of the contents expressed in this episode are intended for a mature audience. This is Women Who Won, a podcast that tells the stories of women just like you or someone that you know from everywhere, every industry and background, who've gone through nearly everything. Throughout the series, we'll hear from women who are sharing their stories of defeat, resilience, and ultimately success to help inspire, motivate, and cultivate a culture that celebrates not just women, but their victories. In this episode, we meet Melissa and Michelle. The stories they tell of forgiveness, addiction, and an unrelenting love for themselves is an inspiration for us all. This is Melissa. Hello, I am Melissa. Melissa, Melissa, wonderful Melissa, the amazing Melissa, right? With the greatest personality ever. My age is 36 and I live in California. I have three kids. Um, teenager now, one is 15, another is 11, and the other is six. I'm married, yay, been married for 17 years now. This year will be going on 18, so it's been a while, right? So, which I love every bit of it. Um, let's see, um, I grew up in a very strict religion. And it was um, a Jehovah Witness religion. Hopefully, you know, everyone's familiar with that. And um, I like that religion. Uh, there's so many things I liked about it. They have a lot of truths and different other ways about it. And just so many things. They help you learn about the Bible and the pagan holidays and everything. So that was a good eye opener in life, too. Um, I just didn't like some of the, the you know, the what just the human way that they go about stuff, you know, just the shunning of the people and the different things that they do too. But other all overall, it's still a pretty good one. But anyways, um, my dad, my mom has, I have two older brothers and they're from another marriage that she had. And then I'm the last one, which is the baby. And she got married again and she married my father and he passed away when I was four and he ended up turning out to be an alcoholic. He was a singer and the entertainer and everything as well. He turned out to be an alcoholic. Um, but I heard he was a really great guy and he loved his daughter, Melissa. And he ended up dying from cirrhosis of the liver. So then after that, um, me and my mom, we moved closer, you know, in L.A. We always stay in L.A., but closer there. And my brothers as well. And uh, she didn't get married ever. She just felt that no, you know, no other men around her daughter, which is great. So that was cool. So I had my uncle and then I had my brothers as far as a parent, I mean, a father influence. So um, she didn't get married again until I was 17. So it was just me and her because all my other brothers have grown up by this time. So it was just me and her. And um, I appreciate that. And then, you know, as a teenager and being in a strict religion, you can't wait to grow up to your 18 and go to parties and stuff. Because as a in that religion, you can't because um, it'll be considered like worldly, you know. So that's basically that. So, of course, as I got 18, it was shoom, time to go on out. So I did. 
So anyway, so I left the religion and um, I became Melissa, you know, so let's have some fun. I got married at um, 19. No, I wasn't. I got married at 20. And I met a really nice guy. He was an entertainer. He had his own. They had their own music group. They had albums out and everything. It was wonderful. And he was a wonderful guy as well. And um, at that time, he's 12 years older than me. So if I was 20, he was like 32. Um, so it was pretty good. He had a little son. So I, you know, ended up getting married and his son, a little son, like five years old. So I became a stepmom right away. And then a month later, I got, um, after I got married, then a month later, I had, um, I, uh, I got pregnant, mm-hmm. which was great. I wanted a child anyway, because previously before then I had a miscarriage and I was only like a couple of months in. So... I had Malaya. Everything's great. We lived in a small city, um, regular and like Bellflower. And then we moved out further into the valley to um, have our home together. And everything was just great. Got a home built from the ground up. Everything was lovely. Um, then years has passed. Five years later, I had another child. Yay, another girl. And um, that went great. Um, yeah, so me and Mazaya and um, about a couple months in after having the baby, maybe like five, six months, I found out that he was cheating. And oh my goodness, so my whole world went upside down. And so, oh no, I thought if someone loved you the way that they did or they say or they should, you know, they they wouldn't have cheated. They wouldn't have cheated. So if they loved you, they wouldn't have done those things. So that's where I was like, oh hell no, you know. Okay, fine. So we went to therapy. And that helped. It really did help. Go therapy. And um, after we did therapy, um, <clears throat> I still had anger and revenge. You know, we still want to get the person back that betrayed you. And you were completely good and faithful and they betrayed you, you know, and found out they cheated on you since the first year of your marriage. Now we're five years, six years in. So, and they cheated all the way up until then. And so... Yeah, so that was that, and you know, other stuff of people cheating on tour and so forth when they go on their tours <clears throat> as a, a music group. So eventually, of course, I still want to get you back um, as a revenge, or he didn't care, or da da da, you know. So I did, got him back um, a couple times, you know, <laughs> and uh, after that, eventually, throughout time. Still not completely healing, still not the love is not there as it used to because they don't know if you love them the same. And, you know, it's just not the same after that. So through that, eventually, and time went on in a couple of years, eventually I um I finally got caught. Ooh, right? So he found that part out. So after that, that was terrible. You know, I'm going to move out. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And eventually, a couple months after that, um, cause I stayed out of the house for a little bit. So a couple months after that, I came back, you know, children sad, everybody sad, um, missed mommy, you know, I would still see them back and forth periodically, you know, throughout every other day. I still took them to school and everything and I was still, but I just wasn't in the house and people were starting to wet the bed, you know, the youngest ones and so forth. So it's just really, this is not the way to do this. So eventually I came back and we both all need each other. And, uh, yeah, do it for the kids, you know? So, but through that time and through that process, I realized, and I wondered to myself, how did all this happen? How did all of this 
just happen. And I wanted to think, and I've always been a very spiritual person through my grow, growing up. And I just always, you know, I like prayer, meditation. I like all that. And, um, you know, you got to really find why do we put up with these things? And the reason why we put up these things through these people is because we don't love ourselves. And we have to really love ourselves, like truly, truly love ourselves. And that's how I find daily happiness. And you have to really love yourself. And then I thought about it and I've always used to think, and people would tell me, you got to learn to forgive, Melissa. You got to learn to forgive. You'll feel better when you forgive. Do you really? You don't feel better when you forgive, do you? I don't know. But the thing is, I don't know how to forgive, right? At this time in my life, don't know how to forgive. What the heck is that? So, um, after that, um, I said, you know, I'm going to just pray about it then. Never came to God to have, uh, help me with forgiveness. So I prayed to God, prayed, prayed one good, strong, deep session where nobody's home. And it's just you and you and the Lord and whatever you want to pray and manifest to. So um, I prayed out loud. Please help me. You know, I need help. I need to learn how to forgive Help me with forgiveness. Show me forgiveness. Show me what I need to do. So I just let it be, you know, give it to God. I did. There you go. And I really am open. I want to know. And it came over me and God told me back in the beginning that you have to learn. You got to go back. You got to go back. And I never forgave my father and my father. I didn't forgive him for dying. I didn't forgive him for not trying. I didn't forgive him for not being there. And I still was angry. And you carry that. And then he betrayed. He was the first betrayal in our minds. You know, as that little young age at four and five. And then your husband does it. Someone does it to you. And you keep this wall up. And you... Never learn how to forgive. And that's what blocks you through your happiness. But if you learn to forgive, and I forgave him through prayer. And I forgave my father through prayer. And I let it be known and say it. Because they can hear you if you believe in that or whatever. Or your soul hears it. You know? You are healing that. And then I was able to come to him and tell my husband, I forgive you because we are all humans. We make mistakes. You're born to make mistakes. And it's all for learning. You have to learn to be happy with you and being alone with you. And that's why all this Chaos happens because I can't forgive, but I know how now and I'm happy every day. And when you walk around, excuse me, with grudges and you walk around angry at a race, angry at a person because of their gender or their sex, your life will never, ever be right. Ever. Because you're carrying an entity of negativity. You're carrying a demon with you. 
And that, once you release that, and they tell you that all the time, you've heard it, churches, pastors, once you forgive, release, release, release. We never do it because we have to go back to who betrayed you first and you never, ever forgave. So every day is a blessing. Every lesson is is everything. And it takes you to your divine destiny. And when you ask the creator that created you in your magnificent hands and creation and body that knows how to restore itself and rebuild itself from a cut, from a womb, that is a creator of all creation. Ask your creator to create your steps because they're already there. You just might went to the left or got distracted, but you're always on the right track. And I just want everybody out there to start with themselves and you will be happy every day and do things for you, do things for you, but don't be selfish. No, never that, but do things for yourself and with others and love who you are. Love your body, love your mind, love your soul, love you. And that's just, and just be happy every day and you choose and don't let anyone change your attitude, change your day, order your day like you order your food. And if you don't like it, send it back. You don't have to eat that. Eat what your soul and your money, your body deserves. And that's just it. But everything is better now. And, you know, I'm not angry at my father. People make mistakes. I'm sure we've had times when we all maybe drank too much or something too much. We overeat too much. We do too much. And we don't, that doesn't mean you don't love your child. That doesn't mean you don't love your parents. You have a condition. It doesn't mean that you accidentally cheated, that you're a terrible person. You know, people really are sorry. We all are and we all make mistakes. So I choose to be happy every single day. And I just want you to go back before you can go forward. And life is amazing. Every day it's a gift. Every single day. Every day. Every day. Every day every single day thank you and i hope my story helped i enjoyed it bye next up we hear from nichelle hi my name is nichelle i'm 49 years old i'm the single mother of a 21 year old son who's now in college and a 14 year old daughter i have a two-year-old grandson when I was growing up, I had a family who who smoked marijuana. I grew up with a marijuana box top under the couch. It was a norm for my family. That's how we functioned. That's what we did. That's how we operated. When I became a senior in high school, I had played basketball all of my junior high, high school years. Um, when I became a senior, I started testing the grounds on the marijuana, the alcohol. And then one day I went to a friend's house and they were smoking something that I was not familiar with. 
they had it in a bottle and I'm like, what's that? You smoking out of a bottle, a glass pipe. And they told me, no, you don't want any of this. And, and me being bold and wanting to step out there. Yeah, I want to taste that. So they let me. And the feeling that I got from that, that one taste, how I got home, I can't, I don't remember anything after that, that hit. That drug was crack cocaine. Um, my life started to spiral after that. Um, that first feeling and that hit that I got from that pipe, I wanted to feel that again. The crazy thing is, I never would feel that again. But I was chasing that feeling uh, day after day. I was a good student. I graduated in the top 10% of my class. By I was supposed to go into a technical uh, school after high school. Um, the day before I was supposed to go into school, I had a breakdown. I couldn't stop crying. Uh, I called my grandma and I said, I want to come stay with you. Uh, my mom bought me a one-way ticket so I could go stay with my grandma. Um, and I moved to stay with my grandma, my granddad. I moved to a city that... A small city compared to Houston where I was. Uh, I started out great. I started going to college. I had a job. I didn't have a car. I, I walked to work. I walked to school. I would walk to school, come home. My house was on the way to work, change clothes, and go on to work, walking. And then I have family here. I have family. I have family that, that was involved in, in drugs and alcohol. So they were my family. So I started to hang out with them. Uh, I did really well um, for a short period of time. I started hanging out with my family who was doing drugs and alcohol. And guess what? I started that spiral again. I was able to function because I couldn't let my grandparents know I had to hide it from them. And... Um, until I couldn't hide it anymore. I had a great job working for the city, great retirement. Uh, I worked for the city uh, dispatching fire police ambulance 911 for 10 years. And then one day they decided they wanted to come in and do a random drug test. I spiraled down from there. They came in, tested. I was uh, positive, of course. Um, so I had an option. I could quit or I could, um, be fired. So my option was to quit. Um, at that point I started spiraling down. Mind you, I had a house that I had paid cash for. My dad had passed away and he had left me money. I paid cash for a home. Um, and I had this home at the time. Um, I got a job at the hospital, working at the hospital, uh, at that point, my drug habit had increased. I was stealing. Uh, of course, I was lying. It all comes with trying to, trying to feed your habit. Um, I ended up losing my job at the hospital. Of course, uh, I was swindling my, my granddad out of money, my grandparents out of money. I was stealing, um, whatever I needed to do to, to feed my habit. I started doing it. The one thing I, I never lost was my the love from my family, the support uh, from my family. Even though they knew what my habit was, 
I never lost that support. During this time, uh, I had went through a time where I, I stopped doing the drugs and I ended up getting pregnant with my son uh, at 29 years old. Um, his dad had went to prison um, and got out. And, you know, that, that one night stand, that's, that's where you have that child. Mind you, my grandma was was a God-fearing, praying, spiritual woman. Uh, living with her, going to church was not an option. You was going to church. Um, so I was raised up uh, in the church. I knew who God was. I had fallen astray of him. He was always there for me, but I just wasn't there ready for him. I started stealing. I, I forged a check that belonged to someone else. Um, and she filed charges on me. In the meantime, I had stole from somebody at the hospital. Um, but I started to feel guilty about all these things. Uh, I actually, since I had worked for the police department, I actually had friends that were still working at the police department. So I called one of the detectives and told him, look, I done this. He said, you can't keep going on like this. He said, I can't help you with the next case. I can help you with this one. So I told him everything. He put it all on one docket. I got put on probation. Uh, I was on probation for two years, but I couldn't pay my probation fees. So uh, they had to extend that. Um, and so I was on probation for two years. Did it stop me from doing drugs? No. I would go to probation dirty. I would I would go to probation with, with drugs in my bosom, ready to get high as soon as I left. Uh, I had to take a probation class. Um, I went to rehab the first time I went to rehab. I went because everybody else said I had a problem. I ain't got no problem, but I'm tired of these people talking to me and, and telling me this about myself and telling me that. And so I went to probation. My son was maybe two or three years old and his dad kept him while I went to rehab for 30 days and they brought my son to see me and and it was heartbreaking when he had to leave uh, because he wanted to stay I was his mom he wanted to stay with me and he couldn't and so time went on I got out of rehab I relapsed within the first six months that I got out um, I wasn't ready I wasn't and of course, when you relapse, it gets worse because you carry all this guilt and shame and things that you've done to people and things that you've done that's really not you and you know it's not you. So I, I got worse. It was worse because I was using the drugs to cover all of that stuff up. I started to lie again. I mean, I would get you a, I would get a list from you. What do you need? I would go to the store and I would steal it for you and come back and sell it to you so I could go get you some drugs, go get me some drugs. That's how bad I had gotten. Um, and then, uh, I went to report one day and I had to pee. I knew I was dirty, but back then, now when you pee, you, they know right then. Back then, they, they let you pee. And you go home and they call you back in if you're dirty. So I was, I peed. I knew I was dirty. I went home. I had to go to drug class. And in the middle of this, I realized that I hadn't had a menstrual cycle. And so I'm like, oh my God, you haven't had a menstrual cycle. 
So I went and I took a pregnancy test. I was pregnant with my daughter and I called my grandma and I told her and the first thing she said was just what we need, another crack baby in this world. I hung up on her and it broke my heart. I started crying. I called my sister and my sister said, well, you have to understand what you've done to her, what you've done to people around you in your drug use. And so her saying that is out of her hurt of the things that you've done and the person that you've become. I didn't really want to hear that either. So I'll call you back another time. Did I stop doing drugs? No, I did not. Um, but the next day, my grandma called me back um, and she told me, I'm sorry. And God showed me your baby and it's going to be a beautiful baby girl and she's going to be healthy. And I just started crying because I wanted that child, but I could not stop getting high. And I was by myself. I mean, I knew that I had to function because my son needed to go to and from school. He needed to eat. He needed to bathe. He needed those things. That was the only normal functioning that I had in my life. The only normal functioning. My mom told me, maybe I should take your son while you get right. What she didn't know, I told her, no, you can't have him. What she didn't know that if she took him, I wouldn't have any normal functioning in my life. I wouldn't have to pause from getting high to take my son to school or to pick my son up. I couldn't let her have him because at that time I needed him more than he needed me. And I know as a mother that that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the way it was. So I went back to drug class and I told my my counselor. I got tested the other day and I'm dirty. She said, well, maybe it won't show up. I said, no, you don't understand. I ain't saying I done got high one time. I'm telling you that I'm continuously getting high. And I said, on top of that, I'm pregnant. And she almost fell out of her chair. She was like, you what? I said, I'm pregnant. And so she said, well, we just have to wait and see what your probation officer is going to do. So uh, I went back to uh, report. I went back to drug class before I had to go back to probation. And my counselor pulled me in the office and she said, I don't know what kind of impression you made on your probation officer. She don't even know that you're pregnant, but she has found somewhere for you and your son to go for you to go to rehab. And you can take your son. And let me tell you the significance of that. Don't ever let people used to tell me, God, don't hear you praying when you're high. And I'm telling you, the devil is a lie, because in the midst of my getting high, I would get on my knees and pray to God. I do not want this life. I need your help and I need you to send me somewhere where I can get the help I need. But I don't want to leave my son again. I can't leave my son again. When I went to uh, drug class and my drug counselor pulled me in the room and she said, I don't know what kind of impression you've made on your probation officer, but she's found somewhere for you to go where you can take your child. Wow. That wasn't nothing but God. He heard my prayer. 
and you know, the first instinct is, I can't go now. That's what I told her. I can't go now because we get what we ask for and then we find an excuse to mess it up. And she said, you don't have a choice. You either do this or you go to jail. So guess what? I went to rehab. This time I wanted it. I wanted to be clean because I was carrying a child for four months of my pregnancy with her. The first four months I was doing drugs. I didn't know how this baby was going to turn out. But I wanted, I wanted her to be healthy. I wanted to have a better life for her and my son. I went to rehab and it was more spiritual. My counselor turned out to be a missionary. And I went there and it was so spiritual. I reconnected with God. I was the first one. We had a lady there that went to church every Sunday. And I asked her because... You know, AA works for some people. AA didn't work for me. I, I knew what I needed. I needed God. I needed to reach out to God, and I knew that's what I needed. So I asked her, can we go to church with you? And she said, nobody's ever asked that. She said, you have to ask the leader of the house. And she said, if if you if she tells you yes, then I will come back and on my day off on Sundays and get everybody in here that wants to go to church. So I asked and she said, yes, just like that. She said, yes, she didn't question it. She said, yes. So I started going to church every Sunday and my soul started to get fed. I became scared to leave rehab because people don't understand if you can walk out the door at rehab with confidence and I was scared because I knew what was waiting on the other side of those doors for me. And my fear was my child, both of my children. I was scared. I didn't want to leave. And of course, the state started doing cutbacks and they told me I had to leave before my child was born. My plan was to stay there until my child was born. But they told me, no, I had to leave. I cried. I cried. And so I had another Sunday to go to church before I left. I went up to the altar. I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, I felt different. I felt new again. I felt brave. I, I knew that I could do it. And so then the pastor told me I was a new creature. And he told me to run around the church. He didn't know I was pregnant. So guess what I did? I ran around the church. And one of the girls that was in re in the rehab with me, she told me when I went, when I got up, I don't even remember walking to the altar. She told me when I got up and went to the altar, she could see no one else in the church. She said all she seen was me and the bright light. And she said, you made my heart happy. She said I was, she was not saved at the time. But it made her hungry for God because she could see no one else but me. That was God. When I got out of rehab, my life was different. I, I had goals. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to make a better life for me and my kids. So what I did, I went, I had to go stay with my grandma. Lord knows I didn't want to go stay with my grandma, but I needed her. I needed her to to ask me every time I went out the door, where are you going? When you're coming back, I needed that. 
I needed her to block people from me. I didn't want those friends that I used to hang out with when they came and knocked on her door for me. Guess what? I had her tell them I wasn't there because I needed her to block those people from me. I needed my baby to be born healthy. And so she was. She was, it was a baby girl, just like my grandma said, and she was healthy. She was healthy. I went out, got my first job. I was on food stamps. I didn't want to be a food stamp mother. I used those food stamps for what they was used for. Every time I got a raise on my job, I reported it. Y'all going to take me off of these. I'm, I'm going to use them to what they're used. They're supposed to be used for. I went back to school. I got, I went back to uh, school while I was working full time and I had both of my kids. I got two bachelors at the same time when I graduated, uh, undergrad, two bachelors at the same time. I ended up going to, I had told my kids, this is it. Cause I had, I had not been spending much time with them. Um, and, uh, because I was going to school full time, working full time, trying to make it better for us. So I told them when I graduated undergrad, I was done. Well, I got offered a fellowship to go to grad school. Uh, in UT Austin, I got offered a $13,000 scholarship, fellowship to go to school. So I sat down with my son because he was the oldest and he had the most understanding. My daughter would just go wherever we went because she was still a little baby. So I told my son, I got offered some money and I know I told you I was done with school. I say, but I got offered some money to go to grad school and this is a good uh, thing and I needed to go away to school. And my sister had agreed. My sister had agreed to keep my kids. Although I was looking for her to say no because I was looking for a way out. I even told God, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So my sister agreed to keep my kids. And so my son, the first thing he said, do it mean you'll be making more money? And I said, yeah, and he was okay. As long as he could play football, that was his thing. He loved football. As long as he could play football. So when we went to visit my sister, I went and found my son a football league because at that's in Houston, in middle school, you can't play sports in your first year of middle school. So I found him an outside football league. So I went to Austin and went to school for a year. My kids stayed in Houston and it broke my heart every time I had to leave them. I called my grandma and I would break down crying. And I said, my heart tears every time I leave them. And she said, but you're making a better life for them. So I did that. I went to grad school. I graduated. I came back to where my grandparents were. And I got offered a job making money that was a lot of money to me. Had I known then that I could have been making more, I would have asked for more. But to me, what I was making was a lot. And I was good with that. Don't get me wrong. I was good with that. I love the work that I do. I love the work that I do. And honestly, a lot of times I do it for free. But I'm at a point in my life where I'm making more money than than I could have ever imagined that I would be making. Uh, my son's in college. My kids don't want for anything. And I don't take it for granted. I'm not afraid to tell people my story. I, I'm not ashamed of who I am because if, if when people call me on stuff that I did 
before I say, you know what? I did do that. If I hurt or harmed you in some way, I'm sorry. But God, look at me now. But God, look what God has done for me. And I don't let people hold my past against me. If they want to hold on to those things, then that's their their thing. But I've forgiven myself. And I'm. it's easy for me to ask for forgiveness because I know I've done wrong. It's taught me patience with my kids when they do things that that are wrong. It's taught me patience with them. It's taught me how not to to judge them, how to to understand the bad decisions that they've made. It's taught me that it's it made me appreciate the things that are around me and the things that that God has provided and is still doing for me. One of the things, one of my dreams in the whole world is to travel and see different places in the world and for my kids to see those things so that they can see uh, visions and, and, and the world outside of their immediate surroundings. I'm able to travel to places that I've never even thought I would be able to, to travel to, um, I'm even at the point where I'm starting to, to do a private practice to to work towards my dream of having a, a business where people can come and get mental, physical, and spiritual healing. Um, I'm a I'm a therapist and I'm a I'm a supervisor and I work with people with mental illness who who just want to be considered normal, just like everybody else. I work with people who come in on a daily basis wanting detox and to be able to appreciate the same person coming back 10 times and be able to treat them like this is the first time I've seen you. And so what you didn't, you didn't get clean the last time. So what you relapsed, but this time, this time may be your time. So what? I'm just glad you made it back alive. So I appreciate because without my life before, God wouldn't be able to use me to help others right now. And that that is what I get fulfillment from, being able to help others with their with their uh testimony, to help them in their mental relapses and their drug relapses. To be able to be the one to treat them like a normal person and not a person with mental illness and a person with with dysfunction. Because who am I? I work with the youth group and I would tell them, I would hear them talking about she looked like a crack addict and she act like this. And I say, what do a crack addict look like? And they would give me all of these descriptions and my son would say, oh, Lord, why do y'all have to do this? Because he know I'm going to tell them. You you say that these people look like a crack addict. So what if I tell you that I'm a crack addict? And they like, no, Miss Michelle, stop it. And I said, yes. So stop judging people on how they look because you might be that one person that can help them. And they may be a crack addict, but if you come to them in that attitude and and that way, you're going to be the one person that turns them back to the streets when they when they come in the house of God looking for for God. You have to exhibit that person to them because you might be the one that turns them away from God.
So I'm just saying that without God, I wouldn't be here today. Without God, I would still be on the street somewhere looking for something to sell to feed my habit. But God has made it possible for all of this. And, and my, my missionary counselor in rehab was the best God sin thing person that I have ever met. Um, she helped me with my spiritual experience in rehab and she helped me be a stronger person. She helped me realize that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because he is the one who I get my strength from on a daily basis. Working with people with mental illness is is draining. I mean, you come home mentally and physically drained. But guess what? I get up and go right back the next day. So I'm 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 not unique to God. I'm not unique to God. Just as he has helped me, he will help you. He can do all things with all people. And I'm just here to tell you that it's possible for you, your family, and everybody else through Christ who strengthens us all. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Trevion Roseberry, Kareem Smith, and a whole bunch of amazing women. For more, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, or check us out on the web at thewomenwhowon.com or on Instagram at the women who won.